1: On today's Locked on Thunder podcast, we're going to continue our season preview episodes with Cade Kimball talking all about how good this Thunder team can be this season.
0: You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at thunderpod. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles, And you can even text the show at 405-963-3686. Joining me today is Cade Kimball on today's show, which is brought to you by Jace Medical. Jace Medical is able to empower you when you purchase a Jace case. It provides you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jace That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com. Cade, how are you doing today?
2: Ready for some thunder basketball. Just about a week away from Media Day. Then we got basketball right around the corner.
1: Right around the corner, Cade Kimball of Inside the Thunder Sports Illustrated Fan Nation dot com media day Sam talks this week players and coaches talk next week then it's training camp and then it's preseason the next Monday and away we go with basketball. Cade there's a lot of excitement about this Thunder team. Uh you and I have both talked about how this is going to be the most exciting season in my opinion since the OK three year I think it's even more exciting than the following Paul George Russell Westbrook year and of course every year after that. So this is going to be fun. And so when you look at this Thunder team, How good can this team be seeding wise? Like, what do you think that this team could reach in terms of playoff seeding?
2: I tweeted it out today, and uh, JJ Redding had his quote saying, You know, Jalen Williams is a star. He will be a star, and he might even be an all star this year. And I tweeted, If he's an all star this year, the Thunder might be the number three seed in the West heading into the all star, you know, whenever the voting ends. Um, Realistically, jumping into the top four would not surprise me again, as we mentioned the last time I was on the podcast it would take a very good season for that to happen jump to the top four. Um, I think anywhere in the top six is really realistic. This team is a playoff team. They've shown their capabilities of being a postseason team last year. Um, and given the jumps that, you know, everyone is going to be able to make, Chet Holmgren addition, Casey Wallace addition, top six is, just seems very reasonable. And, you know, that top four realm, if everything goes right, it, it could be realistic.
1: So with that, FanDuel's over-under on the Thunder. Is set at 44 and a half wins. Will the Thunder hit the over on wins or the under on wins? You get even odds on either side.
2: I think I'm going to go with the over. Um, I'm slowly talking myself more into this team being, you know, jumping into that top five, top four seed every single day. As basketball gets near and near and I think about more about this team, what it can do, um, the different ways it can attack other teams. I, I lean over now. I leaned under initially, but I think I lean over now.
1: A lot has changed since the summer. The Thunder have made a lot of big additions to this roster. Now, who do you think is the biggest swing player for the Thunder? Like, if the Thunder do take another leap, because going, going with a 16-win improvement last year and then making another big leap this year would be an anomaly in the NBA, and it's just it's just really hard to do. But in order for them to do that, what player could swing things? For me, to give an example, I've always said that like if Usman Jang – really bursts onto the scene and, and, and plays the way that he's capable of, uh, then that really elevates this Thunder roster. Who Who is a player in your mind that, that if they can come out and produce, elevates this Thunder roster?
2: I like the Jing pick, but uh, kind of thinking about, you know, Giddy obviously might have the highest ceiling on what, what lead he could take this season, but if Williams really does get to that level of 20 points per game, remaining efficient, and you just have that second guy every single night, and whenever you say Shay's not getting to the line as much, can't hit those mid-range, just out of rhythm for whatever reason, and Williams can pick that up with 20, 25 points, they're going to be a threat every single night. So I think if Williams really does take that leap, like like people are expecting, like J.J. Redick is expecting, you know, former NBA player, NBA media member, if, if he can take that leap, good things are going to happen with this team, and on a nightly basis, there's going to be consistent offensive production.
1: Do you agree with J.J. Redick that, unlike other teams who like you might want to keep an eye on, the Thunder are going to be so good – but they force you to watch them because they were good last year. They were, they were, they were a really competitive team last year. It didn't force the national media to watch them. Do you think that this year it is a, is going to be a team that you just have to see?
2: I admittedly was this way with the Kings last year, the beam, you know, maybe it ran its course a little quickly, but nonetheless, they were a fun team, fun atmosphere. The arena was loud with loud city. You know, we saw the comeback last season. If they're here every single day at the arena, every game, There's no reason people shouldn't have their eyes glued on the thunder. You've got exhilarating young players, just a ton of fun talent that plays a very unique offense that you don't see with every NBA team. So I think, yeah, you almost, they almost are a must watch team, a league pass team, and NBA national TV team, whenever they are on the national TV uh, stations, but just the the amount of young talent they've got. And you're going to see somebody new perform every single night. They might run 12 deep. You might see somebody new that you haven't really heard much of or seen much of like an Isaiah Joe, like an Aaron Wiggins that, they haven't got the national love, but they might on the national stage this year just because more people are going to be glued on the Thunder.
1: So I, I agree. I think that the Thunder, especially as you mentioned, if they can get the Paycom Center rocking again, because the, the, that was a common trait of um, the first run where everyone was just wanting to see the Thunder play, not only for Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and everyone else, but uh, because it felt like watching a college atmosphere at an NBA game and there weren't very many venues like it. If the fan base can get it rocking and the players, of course, live up to the hype, this can be a really fun season and they can be the story of the NBA. Now, Kate, I think that we can both agree that if we were projecting the starting lineup, it would be SGA, Josh Giddey, Lou Dort, J-Dub, and Chet, but who would be the five best players in, a, in the lineup for you? Like, like That's the starting lineup, but if you had to compile the best lineup on paper right now, in your opinion... Would it be that same five, or is there going to be a different lineup that is actually going to end up performing better?
2: I think if you look at the on-court metrics, a lineup that might perform better, and it's going to change from last year, but you have the Shea plus shooters lineup, and you've got a lot of capable shooters this year. I think if you implement Shea plus Jada, so two point of attack guys that are going to have the ball are going to penetrate a defense. Then you have an Isaiah Joe, you have the Chet Holmgren, and then insert any four you want, or three if you want Jada playing the four um, as a shooter. So maybe Bertans, maybe a. Uh, you know, even Aaron Wiggins, just keep the ball moving. That lineup might be one of the best on-court metrics because they're going to play fast. They're going to shoot the three-ball efficiently. They're going to play well. They're not going to play a ton together. They might play a few minutes each quarter, uh, maybe even less. Maybe not even see that uh, the lineup like that in any game. But that would be one of the best on-court teams in terms of just on-court production, quick firepower offense. They're going to be scrappy defensively. You've got Chet holding it down. You've got uh, Isaiah Joe, who's going to be scrappy. And Jalen Williams can really play that point-of-attack defender role if they don't have Ludo on the court. So they kind of fit the mold of of everything you need for a successful lineup, and it'd be a fun, fast lineup to watch.
1: So you alluded to this question earlier, but which of these two players gives the team the most upside to win games this season and make a huge leap? Would it be Josh Giddey making a huge leap, and that gives the team the most upside, or J-Dub giving the team the most upside if they were to Go and make a big leap this season?
2: Again, I think Josh Giddey has the more potential to take a bigger leap this season, but I think Jalen Williams right now will have the better impact um, given the nature of what the Thunder have and what they need. And, and Josh Giddey's role, not that it's undervalued, but it can be replaced in different ways in, in the sense of, the way they run their offense is just like five different guys attacking the offense. You know, anybody can attack on any different play. You don't need a giddy facilitator every single play. Is there times where that's valuable? Yes. Is there, is there times that's going to control games? Yes. But Jalen Williams ability to score, keep the offense moving. And, you know, at times just fit alongside shade just so well. Um, I think it has a better impact short term. So I, I think
1: that the most exciting part of this season is is part of chet holmgren's debut like that's part of the the reason why that this season is so anticipated just because he's the highest pick of the rebuild and you haven't really gotten to see him yet it's as if you got like the 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 exact toy you wanted for christmas um last christmas and didn't get to use it until next christmas uh for chet holmgren do you have any sort of prediction this can be a stat line this can be just a strong feeling about what a career high would be for his rookie season. This can be just a description of what you think his impact on the team will be. Just anything that you want to get out there on the record about Chet Holmgren.
2: I think two things will be true this season. I think he'll average over eight and a half rebounds, which is people are worried about his size. I think that that's going to be no issue, especially as how spaced out the league is. Um, just kind of him being on there, being in the right position. He's a very smart basketball player. You see that with the weak side block. So I think. Uh, just being a very smart basketball player, understanding positioning, you know, obviously having athleticism and height, going to get over eight and a half rebounds, and I think you'll have multiple thirty balls this year. I don't think you know it's going to be a very consistent thing for him to get twenty plus, but I think when he does, it'll be a thirty plus game because he can. He showed in summer league, you know, obviously very small sample size, that he can get hot, knock down a few threes, and get really get going. Um, the fundamentals down the lane, you know, a lot of different ways he can attack an offense. And then you've got like like we've mentioned a lot, you got Gilgis Alexander, Giddy Williams. There's a lot of attention on those guys. Even a Lewis backdoor screen. You know, whatever it may be, there's a lot of ways to attack this with this offense. So, Chet's going to get a lot of easy looks and a lot of games where it's just like, oh, there is a lob and then a couple threes, you know, just a few really loud plays and all of a sudden he has 30. So, um, I think both of those can be true this season.
1: Coming up, we're going to talk about what's next for the Thunder and play a game of fact or fiction on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. But first, I want to say right now about our good friends over at Jace Medical. Folks, everyone should feel empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during an unexpected event. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, and it gives you the peace of mind so that you know that if something were to happen, you're not just hoping that you can get access to the medication in emergency. You have the medication on hand in the Jace case. The Jace Medical uh, supplier is Great at handling the online evaluation with a licensed pharmacist, and it is going to be delivered to you with ongoing consultations and care for you. So, do not get caught unprepared. Be prepared and have these life-saving antibiotics on hand for you by going to Jace Medical. And when you do, you can use the code Locked On, so you're going to get twenty dollars off of these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code Locked On at checkout. That's JaceMedical.com. J A S E Medical com and they will hook you up there if you use the code locked on with twenty dollars off.
0: This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat, led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ryland Stiles. Joining us is Cade Kimball from InsideTheThunder.com. Cade, the big question from this thunder fan base has been about the thunder adding a star and it feels as though this rebuild has has went at warp speed so i can't blame the fans for already moving past to the what's next phase and wanting to cash in these chips and quote unquote go all in the issue is the thunder have played zero minutes with their core and they're not even scratching the surface of 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 being uh, at that stage yet for me. And I think that you saw Mark allude to that on his NBA.com interview where he talked about how uh, continuity is king and you look at the Denver Nuggets and it was the fifth, sixth, seventh playoff series until um, they got over the hump and they were able to win a championship. And and, and while they made some moves and they improved their roster, th- that same core uh, still needed time to develop and to grow. And they waited on some of those moves uh, until they got closer to the final destination, which was winning a championship. And so... For you, will the Thunder trade for a star or do you think that this rebuild can be quote-unquote complete with a trade for just like a nice role player or, or a really good fifth starter?
2: I really think the fifth starter is the way to go. Um, like, you, like you mentioned, they haven't played, this core hasn't played a minute together yet. I think um, even people who are, are saying, let's do it, you know, this trade deadline, you know, you'll have, half a season is not enough to see this team together. Chet Holmgren and, and Lou Dwart might have one of the best defensive duos in the entire league. Um, the, the way the team plays defense, like, you just want to see that that together, not even just together, but to mesh, um, have time to, to thrive. And um, there, there's a lot of, like like you said, the, the rebuild has been accelerated. It went really fast. You can't help that. And, and something Presti and the Thunder have preached since the beginning of the rebuild is patience. So if you can't control how fast people are developing and how, how fast you're getting good, what came to control is, you know, stay having that patience. And what that looks like now is don't make any, any crazy trades. Like once you, once you've maybe gone to a Western Conference finals or, you know, deep into the second round series, maybe six, seven games. And, and you're like, well, you look at the team and we have this hole here, this hole there. That's something you can patch with a fifth starter. You might not need a star that might just disrupt everything you've worked th- the last three years for acquiring certain players that fit a certain mold. And you might not be able to get that anywhere else f- from a star level. If, if J Dub and uh, Shea are are two stars and Chet and Giddy are borderline stars, and you're getting great production from Dora as a fifth starter, why do you have to mess with that? Maybe you're maybe your fifth starters. Maybe that's even just a sixth man. Maybe that's just a a flamethrower guy off the bench that you want as a sixth man that's going to get 18, 22 minutes per game range to some small. So I don't think it's necessary to trade for a fifth star. It might even be uh, hurtful in the, in the long run to trade for a fifth star, not because they're going to use all their assets, because they have so much that that's not much of a an issue in this scenario. They have so much young talent that you could trade a few away and still have a few left over that are just in the development system. So um, it's not that it hurts them in terms of assets, but it might hurt the on-court production, how things mesh and mold. And I think this team deserves a, like you said, like the Nuggets, I've done five, six years sh- trying before you really assess like, Hey, we need an Aaron Gordon. Hey, we need a KCP, you know, fit those holes that, that you realize you've had over the past few years.
1: Yeah. And I think that the, it also is true that the postseason is not what you know, is, is a different brand of basketball. So like, you don't know, which of these players is going to have postseason deficiencies and which of these players are going to completely rise to the occasion and and get there. Uh, I I think right now everything's gone so great for the Thunder that we forget that there's going to be struggle, there's going to be setback, there's going to be uh, guys who just frankly don't pan out. Like there's still going to be someone who does not hit their ceiling and does not develop at the pace that you think that they should or would or could. Um, and there's going to be guys who play really good in the regular season and then in the postseason, uh, their game changes and it, and it is not as good as it is in the 82 game stretch. Uh, they're not they're an 82 game player and a 16 game player, and so um, it, that happens with everybody. That happens with every core and every team and every organization. And so, what you don't want to do is just rush into something, lock yourself into a bad fit, and that's what Minnesota did, in my opinion. And I, and I always uh, hate to, to bash on Minnesota, but they they got that taste of success, and then they've locked themselves into a terrible fit for their organization. And now they're trying to pivot and trying to recover and trying to to make it work. Uh, but had they been patient, and still had all those assets to make a big move, uh, you know, that that ruined the trade market. I guarantee, you if they could go back in time, they would not want to ruin the trade market for Rudy Gobert. Like they would not want to do that anymore after seeing this team play, uh, even on a small sample size, because they were hurt last year on top of that. So uh, I I agree that the star thing is a little bit premature. Now the arena thing real quickly, if you have any thoughts on the arena, you can of course share them, but I have a question of what are, what are the three things that you would hope that a potential new arena would include?
2: Man, that's a tough one. Um, I want to see, this is not much of the arena. I want to see a new logo on the floor of the new arena. I think it's time. I know they like to be – you can still incorporate a lot of the Dorito chip logo, however you want to describe the logo, whatever you, however you want to look at it. You can still incorporate it a lot, but with with the new chapter turning, you've got this new era like they had 15 years ago with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. You've got this new era of young stars. There's no better time to rebuild. Maybe build some familiarity with these young stars in Oklahoma City and then flip the switch, you know – not, not only do you establish the branding, but, you know, you've already got the people that uh, maybe liked the team 15 years ago. The rebuild came. They didn't pay attention as much. They're back. They, they're they not familiar. They're paying attention. Um, and then, boom, you hit them with a the little switch of a new logo, maybe an alternate logo. I don't know. In some fashion, get a logo on the ground. Uh, next one, it'd be, it'd be really tough, but just more seats. Uh, you want as much, as much fans as possible to be at the game. You want the best environment possible. And then kind of along with that is, is you want – a great sound system almost. I want to say, I don't really know how to explain it other than like, you want your fans to be heard. You want loud city to be loud. You want to be a tough environment to play. And you want to be the team that, you know, as Curry alluded to this off season that you want to go in silence. You want to be that crowd. That's just so annoying um, and loud. And then lastly, this is not much again uh, about the arena itself is, but more hotels around the arena. If you want to be a big league city, like mayor Holt often says, then you, you need more hotels. You want to be hosting all-star games. You want to, you know, be able to host events, maybe a, a summer league portion like Salt Lake City does. Uh, you need more. You need more hotels surrounding the arena and making it a real destination.
1: So I, I think that the sound system is absolutely needed. Uh, they improved the Jumbotron this year in the current arena. I was going to say that one. Uh, the one that I have that is left off the list so far is Thunder Alley. Returning of like, I don't know if they're going to still call it Thunder Alley, but like just an outdoor uh experience because hopefully i'm going to be selling out the arena and there's going to be fans who are overflow fans that want to uh, be around the arena and, and, and experience big games and experience big moments um rooting on the thunder and so like kind of like the deer district like the jurassic park uh, in toronto uh, and kind of a staple of what, what we've seen uh for other organizations and if they could conjure up a beam like scheme i don't know what it would be uh maybe like shoot off thunderbolts into the air. I don't know. That'd be pretty fun too. Uh, and then yeah, I, would, I would be stunned if there wasn't more seating because the, the whole messaging has been that the, the, the arena is not only the smallest in terms of seating, but also square footage. And so I would imagine they're going to improve both of those things on this new arena if it does pass. Uh, and we'll see what the fans vote for and the citizens vote for on December 12th. Now, we're going to play a game of fact or fiction. And it's going to range through a variety of topics about this Thunder team. Plus, we're going to give you our hot takes, both about the Thunder and the NBA that we're sitting on ahead of this season. That's all coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. As you're listening to this, I'm on the way to the Sam Presti Presser. I'll be back afterward to recap that press conference. And then on Friday, we'll have another guest to preview this exciting season for the Thunder. Cade from InsideTheThunder.com. Let's dive into a game that we both love of fact or fiction and let's start it out with one that i think is very fun factor fiction chet holmgren will average two blocks or more this season
2: fact uh he's just a very i said it earlier he's a very smart player he understands not only is he smart but he's so athletic and so tall that he can cover a lot of ground cover a lot of the ground in the lane um the way the thunder play pushing people off the three-point line having them run at him um i think it'll become an issue late in the season of teams kind of not going in the paint as much just because they know he's down there. They know block the shot or if nothing else contest it. But I think early in the season, especially, there's going to be some four or five block games just because he's that athletic and he's that smart.
1: I think it's going to be fun to kind of see what the Chet block numbers look like, because it was insane to watch him on in, in summer league. And we had the the Jaron Jackson junior controversy last year uh, that people kind of forget of, of the Memphis scorebookers. uh, uh, cooking the numbers of uh, uh at the scorekeeper's table of, of his blocks at home. Uh Could we see block gate 2.0 with Chet? Who knows? Uh, but sticking with Chet, factor fiction, Chet Holmgren, who is second in odds right now on FanDuel to do it, wins rookie of the year.
2: I'm going to go fiction. There's too much hype for Victor Wimbenyama. He could shoot the ball, not very well and still probably win rookie of the year, just because it's so narrative driven. And he's got every bit of the narrative behind him. If he even averages say just around what uh, Chet does and, you know, the Thunder way overperformed the Spurs. It's Victor Mbanyama. It's Wimby. It's who everyone went to Vegas for. Um, he, he's going to come out on top.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that Victor, as long as he just plays, will get the award. Because partly just due to, like you said, narratives of you, you can't hype this guy up as the best prospect since LeBron, and then he loses rookie of the year. And I don't think that the voters will allow that. Uh, so as long as he plays and is somewhat good, uh, then he'll he'll win the award. Now, another award. This time, the Thunder have the first place on FanDuel to win the award. Will Mark win Coach of the Year? Fact or fiction?
2: I think it's hard not to give it to him. If the Thunder jump into a, an insecure playoff spot, in my opinion, but more importantly, that top four threshold that I've, I've mentioned quite a few times, Mike Brown and the Kings, they, they want it making the same similar jump after a year of like, oh, they've got the guys with that, put it together. They put it together. They made a few small moves, which in this case is just bringing Chet and Casey Wallace in. And, and you have a very impactful season with those guys. And Mark Gagnall's scheme is a lot of it. The, the culture he's built, the, the on-court system he's built is a lot of why they're going to be able to be a playoff team so soon in this rebuild. Uh, I think it's hard to not give it to him, especially when he became the runner-up this last year as a ten seed.
1: So I've been leaning toward fiction, not because of anything to do with Mark. And, and if you listen to this podcast, you know that in January of his first season, which remember, didn't start until December, uh, I said that he was the best under coach of all time because he's a really, really, really good coach. But I think coach of the year is is likely the most narrative-driven award that there is in the NBA and has really little to do with how like, you coach and more to do with your storyline of your team. And the reason that I lean fiction is because I think that the NBA voters might feel like they've kind of given Mark his flowers and then Whatever the big story is this year, like there's gonna be a surprise story. For example, last year, if the Kings didn't break that playoff drought, there then marks the coach of the year. But who could have foreseen that happening uh, that, that, that that they would go on that run to be not only a playoff team or a postseason team, be the three seed. So like if, if there's another team like that who leapfrogs um the thunder and and, and leapfrogs the thunder in terms of storyline and and everyone's just kind of assuming the thunder will be a really good team again, but there's another surprise team out there that wins coach of the year, then I think that you, you would, uh, of course, get better odds than someone else on this betting aspect of things. Uh, but I think that Mark is one of the better coaches in the NBA, and he's not going to get that credit as like one of the best uh, you know tactical coaches in the NBA until he does it in the playoffs because that's when the majority of people evaluate coaches is in the playoff series because it's more – it's just easier to evaluate play, uh, coaches in the playoffs uh, because you can kind of see the adjustments game to game. Uh, but if you follow Mark, you know he's a really, really, really good coach. I think he should have won it last year, but I understand why the Kings were able to secure the award for Mike. And so I think that uh, he has a good shot to do it, obviously. He's the he's the leader in the clubhouse, but you got to be weary of uh, a, a bigger narrative coming and sweeping away this award from right under Mark's feet. On the other hand, though, we have seen where the voters have been a year behind on these awards, like Monty Williams was one where he was, he was kind of a year behind on getting his Coach of the Year award. From whenever he actually deserved it and so maybe you can see the same thing with mark this year now factor fiction sga is a first team all nba player again
2: i'm gonna lean fiction um again narrative 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 um it's positionless now so on top of that that makes things harder as is um i'm almost expecting a little bit of a very very minimal slight dip in statistics um you've got Jalen williams you've got Chet Holmgren. you know you got giddy Lou Door's going to command, you know, however many shots he does per game. Like, those are people who are going to make, take shots and make an impact with it. And Shay's going to play efficiently, but like, and you know, he's going to take the most shots, but what does that look like? How often does he get into the free throw line? So I think that, on top of, you know, like you said, just, I don't even want to say voter fatigue because it was his first year making it, but I think it's more likely he makes a second or third team, especially because a lot of the Thunder success is going to be alluded to what help SJ has. What, what league does Jalen Williams make? What, what league does Giddy make? What impact does Chet make? I think that's going to be a lot of what, People direct the 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 Thunder's success to. Whereas last season it was it was Shea breaking out into an all star all NBA player, averaging over 30 points per game on over 50% efficiency. A lot of it was like he's really that guy, and they're winning, and they're a playing team, and they won 40 games. This year it's going to be a lot of okay. Now he has all these all this help around him, and they won 44, 45, 46 games. So I think the narrative is going to flip a little bit more around the team, and therefore it's going to flip a little bit more up flip around about him and it's not really on him or that he's going to play much worse, but just about why the thunder are winning and why people perceive that.
1: So that's interesting. I think that uh, he will be an all NBA player. I think that first, second and third teams uh, does, it doesn't matter in the sense of predicting them. It matters once you get there, but it's hard to predict like who's going to have the, the caliber of season to be first, second or third, because uh, it's just, it's just something that's just hard to predict of who's going to be better because of the margins are so thin. Uh, of like Shea, Luca, Jay, Jaw, Shea, all these guys. Like, like you're you're going to see and and Jaw is going to be suspended, so he might not even hit the marker to be considered for the honor of if he's if he misses too many games under the new game played rule. So it's just going to be kind of weird to see who's going to make the first, second, third. But I do think that Shea makes all NBA in some capacity. I would still put him first team for now, but um, we'll we'll see who just has an epic season of uh, 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 basketball. Now, fact or fiction, Michich is a staple of Mark's rotation. So what I mean by this would be we've seen Mark, of course, you know, flip through the roster and uh, explore the roster, and there's moments where certain guys. Uh, random DNP CDs and then other guys play and then you're wondering kind of where this guy went but with this fact or fiction Mitchich plays in every game where he is healthy
2: I want to say fact I think he plays never every game he's healthy to to what extent I don't know but I think um I think he'll be used in some capacity every single game in a role that's pretty similar to the game before I think um, his impact will be the same the the impact that's expected of of him will be the same but in what level of minutes, it just depends on how, you know, maybe Giddy's shooting or, or what some guard is performing. But I think in some impact, I mean, in some aspect, he'll be playing in every single game he's healthy.
1: Factor fiction, Usman Jang is a steady rotational player. So, again, we know Mark's going to change things up. Mark's going to play 10 to 12 guys a night. And so he might still get a few DNPs, but, like, ultimately, Jang will be a pretty stable piece of the rotation factor fiction.
2: I want to lean facts because there's no way he doesn't mature from where he was last season, and he already showed those signs of maturity last season. Um, I think a lot of it rides on whether Poku comes back healthy and not healthy in the sense of, like, he can play, but healthy in the sense of he can play and he's playing very good, and then what level of impact he's making early. And I wonder if they almost kind of – I don't want to say split the rotation, but certain matchups or certain games you want Poku's rim protection over Jing's, you know, offensive additions or whatever it may be. But I almost want to say it kind of wavers a little bit there, but I think ultimately Jing will come out on top.
1: So, factor fiction, last one, Caseen Wallace. He plays at least three games with the Blue as part of development. So, this is not doing to injury or anything. It's just like, hey, we need you with more reps. We need you with more development. So, with this factor fiction, will he play at least three games with the Blue as part of his development?
2: I'll say fact because you, you see these double headers, and he might play in the double headers if, if he's not expecting much burn that night. I um, you've got Trey Mann, which this is an interesting wrinkle is you might want to see Trey Mann more in the big leagues and in and case and loss, you want to just purely develop him you don't you're not really getting it uh, you don't you're not really necessarily measuring where he's at in the NBA right now you might just want to develop him so you send him to the G League let Trey show in the NBA where he's at so you might you know give priority to Trey Mann just because of a situation a little bit older running out of time per se whereas Casey Moss is uh, the 10th pick and you know you really are just focused on developing not getting a on knowledge of where he's at. And, Later in the season, you might be like, okay, Kaysen Wallace, now you can have your, your big NBA minutes to come in and prove what, what you learned this season with the G League.
1: So I, I think that with Kaysen Wallace, it's it's going to be interesting because I think that he has the skill set that, that Mark really loves and that uh, Mark will want to play. But you're right. The Thunder love to use the Blue. Rightfully so. They have a great coaching staff with Cam Woods. Uh, they, they have a great system that they run that's similar to the Thunder. And so I think that that will be – A good opportunity for Casey Wallace. And it's not a demotion. It just helps him develop and grow. And I don't think it'll play that'll play a ton of G-League games because he's gonna be that good right away. And I think he's gonna play right away. But given how crowded the roster is, I think he'll play somewhat the blue just to get him some more reps. Now, Cade, let's end it here. Give me your hottest take, the hottest you can think of. It's gotta be a hot one for the Thunder. And for the general NBA, let's go with Thunder first.
2: Thunder first, I'll go Giddy shoots 37% from three or better.
1: I like it. I like it. Now,
2: what's your NBA hot take? Oh, I was not prepared for this one. We'll go with Magic or a top six seed. So not only do they jump into the postseason, but they jump into, I don't know how hot that is, but they're like a playoff playoff team and they're going to make their arrival. You know,
1: that is a hot take that I would consider this. When I hit end record, I'm going to go get a coffee from Starbucks, venti, hot coffee. I'm not going to give you my order yet. From when, the time I leave Starbucks to the time I get home to sit down and produce more content for you all, the level of hotness of that coffee is that hot take. It's lost some steam. It's lost some hotness, but it's still a, it's still a nice hot cup of joe. So. You, in essence, are that venti, white, hot mocha. I'll take it. So it's not the hottest thing in the world. We're not drinking black coffee if right it, out of the if spout. If it needs
2: to get a little bit hotter, you know, just throw them into the top five seed. You know, just throw another seed in there. You know, maybe they won't be a six seed. Maybe they will be a five seed. Make it a little bit hotter.
1: If you If you go to four seed, it would be like brewing a cup of coffee. I don't know if I
2: can do that yet.
1: Okay, then you, it's not going to be drinking black coffee right out of the spout. That's so, fair. That's fair. It, it's, but it's still a hot take. It's still appreciated. Cade, let them know where they can find you on Twitter. And of course, insidethethunder.com and the Inside the Thunder podcast.
2: Uh, go to Cade Kimball. I'll tweet out all the links of things I produce. I'll retweet everything that the, the rest of the team at insidethethunder.com produces. Uh, look us up on YouTube at Inside the Thunder to find our weekly shows.
1: And if you are a sad Oklahoma State fan, you can also find uh, Cade running the Oklahoma State Fan Nation site as well because goodness i feel bad for your football fandom but hopefully you guys can turn it around maybe cade thanks for joining us and until tomorrow be good and be good to one another
0: hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today